Welcome to St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Saratoga Springs, New York, where we are gathered by God to share the love of Jesus. Today we celebrate the eternal heavenly home that Christ has prepared for us. Here is this week's message from guest pastor Tom Fisher. Grace and peace and mercy in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We talked about baptism last week, but we kind of jumped to the end of the um, catechism with the ninth and tenth commandments. I hope Pastor doesn't mind. And they're coveting commandments. Coveting are the thinking commandments. And you, uh, um, uh, James puts it best in, in his book, uh, book of James and, and scriptures, and it says, um, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire, which is covetousness. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and then when fully grown, gives birth to death. So your mind, your sinful nature, conjures up a sin, and then if you allow your body to, to uh, manifest it, then it results in sin, and if sin is not repented of and forgiven, it results in, in death. There's a story that um, Martin Luther, remember when he was spirited off to the castle for a while to be, to be shielded and hidden? He was a knight. And one day, one of the other knights came up in his fancy horse, which at that point were, were very expensive, and he says, Brother Martin, if you can pray the Lord's Prayer right now without sinning, I'll give you my horse. Okay. So Martin uh, prays the Lord's Prayer with the, with the knight, and afterwards the knight goes, do you have a new horse? And Martin goes, no, I sinned. The knight goes, how could you have sinned praying the Lord's Prayer? Martin Luther goes, well, about halfway through, I was wondering if the saddle came with it. We love to sin, don't we? And in our scripture reading in Ecclesiastes, King, uh, um, the, the scripture is vanity. Vanity. And it's a different definition than we think of because right now as we speak, there's a wonderful two-sink vanity in our bathroom just dying to get installed because pastor doesn't have the time to do it right now. But why do we call it a Vanity. Because when I put the vanity in, what do I got to put on the wall? One mirror. Okay, two mirrors. I don't use one because my Goldilocks. But it's called a vanity. But the vanity definition we're working with today is worthless, pointless, futile. Have you ever heard somebody said, boy, I tried to move that boulder, but it was all in vain? Useless. Couldn't, can't do it. You knew you couldn't do it. You tried, you couldn't do it. It was in vain. So here's King Solomon. <laughs> riches upon riches. Everything he ever wanted surpassed the riches of everybody. Who, what was the lottery? Just one in, what was it, Illinois? Does, does, Huh? $1.2 billion. Who's going to benefit from that the most? State of Illinois, for one. 
federal government for two, Illinois Lottery Commission number three, and off-track betting probably number four, and I'm sure the liquor industry is going to pick up their, their bit. <laughs> yeah, right. You can read statistics about everybody that goes broke and all that stuff, but the, the most interesting statistic I found about the lottery was that nine out of ten believe that those winnings will not survive the second generation. They will all be gone. And anywhere from 50 to 75% of the lottery winners declare bankruptcy five years or more. King Solomon's worth. We think a billion dollars is a lot. But King Solomon, his gold tribute income per year was a billion dollars worth in today's money. And you would measure King Solomon's worth not in billions, but trillions. King Solomon was undoubtedly the most richest person, human, that ever walked the face of the earth. But we hear that even King Solomon, all that was vanity. There was a Chinese businessman named Teddy Wang. I don't know how I got the word name Teddy, Chinese businessman uh, had a chemical operation in uh, real estate. It was back in 1990, he had billion-dollar fortune. He was kidnapped in 1990 and never found, even though his wife paid over $30 million in ransom. Nine years later, the guy was declared dead. Three wills showed up, and for 15 years, it was in the courts. After that, Mrs. Wang eventually prevailed and got Teddy's $4.3 billion inheritance. Eighteen months later, Mrs. Wang was dead of cancer. They had no children. She left her entire fortune to her Feng Shui consultant. In our gospel lesson today, a man is wealthy. But he also was not prepared for this wealth, or else he would have had the barns already. So of this sudden wealth, what does he do? I'm going to build more barns, and then I will be on easy streets. But in a flash, others took his possessions. He had nothing. You'll never see a U-Haul following a hearse to the graveyard. This is a teaching on the two kingdoms. And it helps us focus on the why are we here? Because even to us, everything seems to be in vain. The left-hand kingdom is the world. The right-hand kingdom is of God. God, Jesus rose and sits at the right hand of God. That's why the nuns in elementary school always try to get me not to be left-handed, because that was evil. My arms hand still hurts. But we seek the right-hand kingdom where everything is beautiful and holy and permanent, and not this world here. Solomon was lamenting on the fruitlessness of the kingdom of the world, even though he had everything. Our lives are so short, toiling, learning, giving, 
saving, building, hoarding, only for it all to go away, joined by strangers. We strive for riches while others strive to steal those riches from us. And we see many put their faith and security in the things of the world. We are bombarded by the world to do so. Our barns are our banks, our retirement accounts. And we say, ah, when I make it to retirement, I can eat, drink, and be merry. Travel, golf, leisure. Right now I'm living for tomorrow. I don't really care about today. I looked up, and there's some pretty sobering data. According to the data, I only have 17 years left. I had my first job at 22. So for 44 years, I have toiled for what? 17 years ahead of me, which I don't know what they hold. A house burns, a car crashes, investments plummet. Health fails, families break up, jobs are lost, a spouse dies. And that life that we work so hard for, plan so hard for, is changed in an instant. And we see the vanity of it all, even for us. The folly of all of this is we seek to amass wealth, focus on ourselves, even though we know what the outcome is going to be. We know the wages of this world is wealth, but we know the wages of sin have not changed. It is still death. It was death for Solomon. It was death for Mr. and Mrs. Wang. It was death for the rich fool. It will be death for me, and it will be death for you. Solomon saw this. And he answers the question for us. What is the point of living? And he said, it will go well with those who fear God. At the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, after all is done, Solomon says this, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. The radical nature of our salvation is that God knew the futility of our fallen world because of sin. Everything must die. But God sent Jesus to die for us, for these sins that kill us. God raised his son, accepting the sacrifice, and then God offers us, calls us into his kingdom. This is God's mercy. We live physically in this kingdom of the world by birth, but we are baptized. And by faith in what Jesus has already done for us, we have the kingdom of heaven. And as Paul says, we live in it now, but it is shielded. And that kingdom will come into full view when the Lord returns. Our life is hidden in Christ by faith. This is good news. And it's all by God. We can't buy our way into the kingdom. We can't enter it by ourselves. We can't have it, someone else enter it for us. We cannot get into it by our birth. We cannot get into it by our works. 
We have nothing to offer God. Nothing in this world can open the gates of heaven. And our journey here is accepting this wonderful grace and mercy from our Lord and always keep this kingdom high in our focus, believing what God did for us and living our lives as children of God, hidden in the glorious kingdom of God. Covetous is idolatry. Now, it's okay to have wealth. We're given much wealth. We sitting in this pews are some of the richest people on the planet. But we know we're simply stewards of it. And as Solomon says, our joy is in the toil. Always in the Lord. We will be tempted, but we can resist that. And in poverty, we might despair. In Psalm 30, it says, Lord, give me neither wealth nor riches, uh, wealth nor poverty. Because in wealth, I might forget about you, and, in, and when I, if I am in poverty, I might steal and sin against you. The Lord gives us what he gives us. We enjoy it, and we are stewards of it. And we wait in patient contentment for the Lord and try to get the word out to others about this wonderful salvation. And we wait for that unshakable, eternal kingdom of God, that unconditional promise of salvation. We are justified by faith, by the blood of Jesus, and nothing is more true, faithful, sure, and certain. This is good news. Amen. And may this peace that does pass all understanding guard our hearts and minds truly and firmly in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about St. Paul's Lutheran Church, please visit spalutheran.org. God's blessings to you. Go in peace and serve the Lord.